הגיע הזמן להתעורר, לעזוב הכל, להתגבר, לשוב הביתה, לא לחפש מקום אחר. Okay, welcome everyone. We are in Parshas Peshach, which is a nice little change from Shemais Ve'erabai, because those were intense Parshas all about facing the Pari energy within us, and Meshach opens up a whole new chapter. Um, Peshach is, of course, getting out of Mitzrayim, leaving, leaving Pari, and opening up to an expansive state of living with Hashem, and also, of course, the sea split. So um, opening up and discovering new secrets. And um, of course, we know Az Yashir, the singing and the dancing and the celebration that initiated from the woman. So before I go into this week's, well, so, so just, okay, so this is just an intro to say that this week is very much going to be this assumption that the Rebbe says, okay, great job. You went through Shemais, which is about, you know, accessing our authentic self. And then Ve'era, which is like feeling that space within us that we didn't feel Hashem's love and, you know, warmth inside of our bodies. And then by underneath our, our, our frozen bones or our disassociated state or disconnect from our body, going into that paro energy, that's the swirl of overwhelm or terror or, you know, disconnect or whatever, like the deepest core energy that was underneath suppressed under the frozen state. And then the rabbi says, okay, great. You're a vessel now to receive what's next, like abundant pleasure and joy and, and desire. So something before we go into this week's Parsha, which is all about living with pleasure and joy and what we need to do and all that, it's, it's so expansive and so beautiful. One of the things I was thinking about, I was like, it's so interesting, right? Like there's the Shemais Ve'erabai, okay, facing the inner para. And then the rabbi's like, okay, we're, we're ready for the pleasure. And then I said, okay, but then what about next year? We're going to have to go through that again. Like, you know, because we all think like, okay, we arrived, we're ready for pleasure. But of course, the fact that we go through it every single year again, and next year we're going to have to do Shemais and Verabai again, is because the Geula process, and Sarah Schwartz actually did a beautiful depiction of the journey of dark and colorful swirls, you know, to get to the inner base of Migdash versus the old vision that we thought like the world is dark and then poof one day you have a path and then you're in the light you're in spirituality you're in the third base of Mingdash that it's it's a journey and like the great the greatest example that you know we say all the time is like peeling an onion layers and layers and layers and infinite infinite unpacking and so Gula is that we go through the cycle of the Parsha of the spiritual energy again and again and again through infinity forever and ever and ever unpacking deeper and deeper and deeper layers. So next year, again, we're gonna go through more of whatever blockages we have to reveal more layers of pleasure when we get to Bashalach again next year. And it's it's not in the sense where I'm not saying like, okay, get ready forever, we're gonna be in pain. So, you know, buckle your seatbelts and get ready for a lifetime of pain. No, I'm saying the opposite, that living with Hashem and living in Gulen, living in freedom is opening up to an expansive state that we don't control our life and that life is always shifting and always moving and there's always new energy that's available for us and we and because Hashem is infinite and his infinite energy is within us it's never going to end the amount that we're going to reveal and redeem and experience and live and so it's we're going to unblock and receive more and unblock and receive more and the beauty it's actually so exciting 
and it's so joyful and pleasurable because we when we realize like we're never going to be bored we're never going to be stagnant we're never going to be stuck we're always going to be receiving abundantly more and more and more and more love and light and it will never end so that's what i'm saying i'm saying in the positive like this is the journey is just and each time we reveal more light when we face the pari it becomes less intense less scary and just becomes a matter of unlocking the key and we're also vessels to receive more light and we don't have to, it's not deep, so low, so high, so low, so high. It's just beautiful, beautiful waves, like the beach, up, down, up, down, up, down. And we're we're just surfing the waves in the most beautiful way. Okay, so that's a little intro. Um, then now we're gonna talk, this week's pressure again, we're talking about living with pleasure, living with joy. So to become a vessel, hopefully to receive this, all the pleasure that's in this week's Sicha, I want to talk about three different things about pleasure, just to like kind of set the stage for it. So one of the things I want to say is, you know, I want to reflect a question that maybe some people will have. It's something that I had and something that oftentimes people ask me, why do I use the word pleasure? Because pleasure a lot of times is, you know, there's a connotation and association with lust or with inappropriate or, you know, and people will say like, oh, maybe you could use the word delight or, you know, relish, but like pleasure just seems off. I've, I've heard people say that to me. And I, I said, oh, you know, in, in, the, in the Rabbi Sicha, the rabbi uses tainog all the time, which is the Hebrew word for pleasure. And I actually had this conversation with someone. And she said, well, tainog also means delight. You could use the word delight. So I want to just explain, first of all, that as we've known through the weeks that we've been talking about that every single thing and the highest energy also has the potential to come down the lowest. So the holier and more profound something is, the more it can go into a lower state. Like we talked last week about the narcissistic energy that at the source, it's really like the anaychi, that my essence is Hashem's essence. So pleasure, of course, has been associated with sexuality and it's been used in a very, very dark way. But really, it has the highest source of light because being unified with Hashem is coming back to source energy. And there's deep, profound pleasure that encompasses your whole body that makes you feel like you've just you're on cloud nine, but yet on Earth and you have everything you need. And so I want to explain it. So I feel it's so important to differentiate and to use the word pleasure because here's the difference. Delight is when you relish in something, you delight in something external, right? Like I delight in my children and I delight in maybe even the food I'm making or delight in experiences. And you're relishing the pleasurable experiences that are external, that are in life. Pleasure is talking about a felt experience. It's a personal experience. It's something that you experience and feel in your bones, in your body. It's very, it's a very personal experience. And this is what the Rebbe is talking about, because we're talking about becoming unified with Hashem, marrying Hashem, that exile is when we know Hashem very distant, that it was just the engagement is getting to know Hashem. We're talking about unifying. So of course we are talking about pleasure. We're talking about that your whole body feels, every single fiber of your being feels the pleasure of Hashem's essence through every fiber, through your bones, that you feel like, you know, that feeling when you're in, an, in a new love relationship and you could be sitting on the couch and the whole world's passing by and there's cars and everything. It's like, what day is it today? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, who cares? Like, 
the whole world is right here in this moment. Like who needs anything else? So that that's something I wanted to clarify and explain. Now, another thing is that a concept that we've talked about a lot in Hasidus and it's been in Nebuah throughout history is that in the time of Geula, in the time of redemption, that the body is going to nourish the soul. Versus in the other way we've talked about is that we get that our body is so low and so disconnected and so dark, so we need to get the nourishment from the light of the soul. But that the Geula, there's going to be an inver- a switch, inversion, and the feminine is going to rise. The feminine is the body, and the body is going to nourish the soul. So I am sure that there's so much more about how the nourish- body is going to nourish the soul that it's going to come through, through an infinite layers that I have even no clue but I did get some clarity about it this week in a whole new way that I want to share. So again, obviously connected to pleasure. So we have the, what's the soul? We have two parts of our soul. We have two souls, right? We have the Nefesh Elikis, which is the spiritual soul. And then we have the Nefesh Bahamas, which is the more physical or the feminine, the masculine. So the Nefesh Elikis, the spiritual soul delights in spirituality or it wants to accomplish spirituality, it wants to do, it wants to do a mitzvah, it wants to help people, it wants to do, it wants to accomplish. And it also delights in prayer, it delights in doing a mitzvah because it's that's its wiring, it's masculine, it's spiritual. The Nefesh Bahamas is the feminine, it's the tohu light, and it delights and accomplishes in the physical. So it wants to do, you know, use physical things for pleasure and for delight and to accomplish and to do things. However, both of those things, and I've said this in many different ways, in different languages, like we need the essence, right? We need the third key, but now I'm using, I'm saying the same idea, but with pleasure and with the body nourishing the soul. So imagine like the souls are like two children, right? The Nefesh always wants to do spiritual, the Nefesh Bahamas always wants to do physical. The thing is, there is delight in that, and there is, they're, they're accomplishing what they're here to do. But if they don't have the body that's connected to the pleasure of being one with Hashem, married, then they never have a place to land. So that, and that's why it gets too much and there's no landing place. The Nefesh Bahamas wants more and more and more and it goes high, 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 high until you're totally disassociated because you're looking for that pleasure through external pleasures that are, are here to pleasure us and are here to use, but in the right way or Nefesh kiss. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a martyr and I'm doing, and I'm doing spiritual things, spiritual things. And my body's breaking, and I'm falling apart and I have a headache and my kids are screaming, but I'm going, going, going. Because it's like, we need that anchor. But when our body becomes one with Hashem, when we feel that pleasure, when we feel whole, it's like you do your day and then you come home and you come again, the cloud nine of the, the love that like you're sitting on the couch, you come home and you're coming back to love. Why would you want to keep going? Like, I want to come back to intimacy. I want to come. So our body needs, when it's in that marriage and in that union with Hashem, it holds the two children and nourishes those two children. It says, okay, Nefesh Bahamas, now you go do some physical. Now come home to me and I'll hold you and you'll feel pleasure when you come back. And Nefesh kiss. now's your turn. Go do some spiritual, come home to me. So when when the body is hold, is in that space of pleasure, it's the adult that's just, and we don't have to go too much and we don't have to go too high or too spiritual or too martyring or too anything. We stay in balance because we, we always want to come back home. It's like a child who's doing what they need to do. But if their parents are creating a loving home, of course they want to come home. Of course they want to like uh, relax and just spend time with their family and not go, go, go. Going, going, going is, 
is a child who wants to go, go and never stop is because they don't have a home to come home to. They don't have love. So that's the third thing. Now, I mean, the second thing. Now, the third thing is going to even be more profound. So get ready. Whew. So we have to understand. Oh, Penina, did it, were you raising your hand? Oh, you're just relaxing, receiving all of this. Okay. So now another thing to understand why experiencing pleasure, allowing pleasure and relishing and delighting in the physical world is part of the gula is because we have to understand what is gula redemption is living in Ganeden, right? Bringing back the Ganeden state and Ganeden reality back to the world. When Hashem created the world, he created, he started off with his desire beautiful garden with beautiful orchards with beautiful rivers with his beautiful love cherished people to delight and relish and receive love and experience and delight in the world that was their mission statement the hashem said delight in this beautiful garden now when we were kicked out we actually weren't kicked out of ganeden ganeden is all over the world ganeden has always been here Ganeden is a consciousness. It's a perception. It's like a set of glasses that you either you see it or you don't see it. And when we were banned out of Ganeden, it means that our consciousness of the pleasure and delight of living and, and delighting in this beautiful garden that Hashem made left our consciousness and we became egocentric and shame and blame and so focused in on the density and the separation and trying to control and running away from the density that we weren't present enough to relish and delight in the garden. And and so much so that the human society grew and grew and grew and grew the darkness because of their own inner darkness and their own inner shame and fear. And so it just buried ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper away from Ganeden. So if the goal is to come back to Gan Eden, then every single one of us that are rising our consciousness and clarity of the beautiful garden that Hashem created and delighting in the garden, we are drawing Gan Eden reality back into the world through us. Now, I'm going to say something that when I heard it, it was like, whoa. So what happened when we got out of Gan Eden? It says, I, I'm pretty sure it says it actually straight in the Chumash. I might be wrong. Um, it's either a commentary, but I'm pretty sure it says in the Chumash that when Adam and Chava ate from the tree and they left Gan Eden, it says that an angel came, a Malach, and he had a revolving sword standing at the entrance of Gan Eden and blocking them from coming back. So they couldn't come back in because there was this angel blocking them with the sword. So I actually, I heard this a couple years ago from her name was, I'm Yehuda Schneider, and she is very big in Kabbalah and always backs her things with sources and everything. She said that, that, that she said the same idea that Gan Eden is a consciousness and it's up to us to draw back the consciousness of that Gan Eden is here. And what is this revolving sword? The revolving sword is Klipas Noga, which means the things in life there are not there's there's negative there's wrong like we don't eat pig okay we know that that's dark and then there's light and there's spirituality and klipas noga is the gray area it's the tohu light it's like the feminine light it's like the physical things in life that have been the gray area like 
well, I don't know if it's not necessarily a mitzvah, so maybe better not to do it because what is it going to do? Is it going to refine, you know, bring refine sparks? So no, stay away from it. And that basically the re being kicked out of Gan Eden means we lost consciousness of the spirituality and the powerful, profound light in the Klippas Naiga, in the physical, in the, again, not the, not the against halacha, not the things that are against, like the things that were not allowed, but the things that were allowed, it's like, oh, we don't have time to, you know, do art or dance or relish in this, the beauty of this or go to the beach or whatever. Who has time for that? Like, you know, we're refining the lights. We're focus, 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 focus only on spirituality. And that if we access and interact with the Klippas Naiga, the physical beauty in life, then we slowly re-enter and come back into Ganeiden. But it's a revolving sword because a sword could it's revolving so it either can kill you and hurt you and destroy and destruct or it brings you into the entry of ganadin and that's where the discernment is because spirituality it's it's and darkness is black and white do this don't do this do this don't do that so in a way it keeps you safe because i know guaranteed it says in the torah to do this so it's a mitzvah so it's going to be good i know in the torah it says not to do this so i'm safe but the way back to Ganeiden is to let go of the rigidity and the safety and the structure and the boxes and to say, what if I can use discernment and in this moment I have a desire for this and so it's coming from flow and it's coming from a grounded place and it's coming for true and and I'm going to use it for Hashem so that I can relish and delight in this world in this palace that Hashem made and it's going to bring me more and more into Ganeiden now if you use it in the wrong way and use it too much it could be a sword. It can hurt you. It can make you disassociate. It could become addictive. It could distract, and that's why these that that's why it's specifically a sword because you have to slow down and you it's trial and error. And is it a sword or is it entry into Ganeden? Is it coming from a true desire or is it coming from disconnect, from an addictive space, from a place of you know running to run away? And the more and more we interact with this Toho light in a healthy way and with discernment and slowing down, the more and more and more we have more pleasure and delight in our life because we're accessing this beautiful, beautiful Tohu energy, the Klippas Noga is a Tohu energy and using it to transcend. Now, it's something important to understand about this Klippas Noga, which is the Tohu light. Why is it so profound? It's feminine, right? It's the physical things in life that are the gray area because it has two aspects in one on one hand it's very physical it's very grounded it's the physical things in life again you know whatever it is like sometimes it's getting a manicure or getting a massage or going to the beach or making yourself delicious food or whatever it is that's you know again dancing singing art um gardening whatever it's on one hand it's very grounded so it's dira betachtonim energy it's coming down to earth it's relishing in the earth so it's very anchoring and at the same time, because there's a lot of pleasure in it, it also has transcendent light. It brings you out of the darkness. It transcends you out of the fragmentation or out of the out of the rules or out of boxes. And it brings you into a more expansive state because it's feminine. So that is the beauty of this light that it it's not, again, if we use it in the right way, it's not escaping. It gets us grounded, but transcendent. And it's like almost like there's, you know, other things like in, if it used in an unhealthy way, I was just thinking about this morning, like energy that's used in an unhealthy way, we were escaping, right? We were disassociating. 
but everything again has a holy twist to it. So what's the holy twist? We want to escape the dark world. We want to escape exile. So if we use it with Hashem in the right way, we're escaping, we're leaving the exile mentality and we're going more into Gula consciousness, into Ganeidin consciousness. Okay. Ready to continue? Mm. Yeah. Gila, yeah. Oh, you're on mute. Yeah. Um, so so how do we know where the where the line is between um Kedusha and Gaula and, and escaping? Yeah, it's a good question. It's takes a lot of discernment and a lot of being really honest with ourselves and being very, very present and aware of our body and aware of our sensation and slow down and ask ourselves where is it coming from where am i feeling it you know like when it comes from my shaman's true desire it like it feels like pleasure it feels like this like deep deep and it's not logical it doesn't have to be oh because it's actually hesachadas meaning above logic so it's usually it's it's you know for sure it's like i don't know why i want this it makes no sense when i woke up this morning i had no idea that i would even think about this and I feel such a strong pull to do this. It doesn't have to make sense because it's feminine, it's flow. And, you know, and, 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 and it's like, it's not because of fear. And it's not like, if you feel a lot of pain in your body and then all of a sudden, like your head is like screaming, do that, eat ice cream, eat ice cream, eat ice cream. It's like, hmm, I was just on the phone with my friend and she triggered me like, is this coming from a real place? You know, it's, we have to be honest with ourselves. And honestly, like, you know, sometimes I tell my kids, it's like at the end of the day, this is your life, right? Like you can do things and not coming from a good place. And it's ultimately is going to affect you, you know, so you have to think about like the results. So if we want to, if we want to do it in a healthy way, we're just slowing down and asking ourselves, like, is this really real? And then you might do it and you think it's real and it turns out it's not. And it's just part of the learning, part of integration and the 70, right? The ion of Das. It's like, oh, that did not feel good. I, I know for next time, like, I'm not gonna eat ice cream the second I hang up the phone from my very triggering friend or family member. I do not feel good now. So yeah, I mean, this is really our personal journey with us and Hashem and finding, finding the way and, you know, it's a messy journey until we like get more, but it's, it gets, we get stronger and stronger. It's like building a relationship, you know, it's like, when we just got married with our spouse, we're like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what you're thinking, you know? And then over time, you almost like have this nonverbal understanding and you just could flow. And it's like, I remember in the beginning when my husband and I used to fa plan family trips, it was like, we would sit down and make lists and who's doing what. And we were doing there was so much drama. And at a certain point, I remember there was a switch. And the first time we went on a trip that we didn't even communicate, it was like, he took care of the, his things. I took care. And then the next thing we know, we were in the car and we're like, that was amazing. We just intuitively flowed. So it gets easier over time. And um, don't be afraid to practice and, you know, slow down, notice, tune in, listen to your body. Okay. So um, now all of this is an intro. We're going to do, I'm going to do it a little different this week and maybe this will be the new way. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna, I, I'm basically gonna, I divided up what I wanted to read into three different sections. 
And so we're going to read a little bit and then discuss and then read a little bit and discuss. So this first, so we're going to read in a minute. The first section that I'm going to read is, is about the Tohu light. And before I, I'm going to do a little intro and then we're going to read inside and then I'll explain it more after I read it. So um, the rabbi asks a question here. This, this is what we're going to read. The rabbi says, as we know that every single thing in this Torah story is our history, the whole concept of getting out of Mitzrayim is a mirror to our own personal getting out of exile, getting out of our own restrictions and getting into freedom. So the rabbi asks a really good question. He says, as we got in this week's Parsha, as we get out of exile, we walk out of Mitzrayim, we're free. There's a few things that happen that don't seem redemptive at all. If anything, it could seem feel and seem the opposite. So how, how does that have to do with the redemption? And how does it have to do with our own personal redemption? And the, the things that he says, one is, if it was real redemption, they could have just should have just gone straight into the land of Israel. But they do a detour and they go in the, the beginning of this week's parsha. it says that they start, they go on a detour and they have to begin a journey of 42 journeys through the desert. So the rabbi says, how is that redemptive? Number one. Number two, they have to, they fight a malik. A malik comes and he, like they're poor, we're like completely traumatized, completely exhausted, like just like we're slaves for so many years and we're finally out and it's like, seriously, we have to fight a malik now? And then the third one, he says, um, in next week's parsha, this is less like questionable, but he brings it up as a third concept is that Yisro, the father-in-law of Moshe, ends up realizing that he doesn't want to be, is inspired by the stories of the Jewish people getting out of Egypt, out of Mitzrayim and the sea splitting, and he wants to leave his idol worship way, and he ends up converting and joining the Jewish people. And Yisro means add, and it says, the Rebbe says that, as we know, Yisra actually added a portion in the Torah. There's a section that he adds. And what does that also have to do with us getting out of Mitzrayim? So we're gonna do, I'm gonna do like a shorter reading just to address these this part and then we'll discuss. Um, I posted the pictures on the WhatsApp so you could follow along. It's page 137 and um, I style it, second paragraph. It is known that the purpose of the Jewish people going through the desert was in order to refine the sparks of holiness that fell into the desert of the nations, which are sourced in an extremely high source, the world of Tohu, which transcends the world of Tikkun, and through the phenomenon of the Jewish people refining the sparks of holiness and elevating them to their source, this high level is drawn forth and revealed to them, the Jewish people. And more thoroughly explained, the source of the sparks of holiness that fell into the desert of the nations is from the level of 11. We spoke about 11 last week, which is higher than the regular order of the gradu graduational descent of the godly revelations, namely the transcendent revelation of godliness. So, so the rabbi is saying this title light is 11. And we know we spoke about it last week. 10 is the level of Tyra, of spirituality, of the, of the 10 parts of our soul. 11 is the higher light, um, which from it, this, this 11 highlight, the nourishing of the 11 crowns of negativity occurs, as alluded to in the wording of the verse, 11 days from Kharav, pathway of Mount Seir, meaning that 11 days is a pathway to Mount Seir, negativity, heaven forbid, and through the service of the Jewish people in refining the sparks and elevating them to their source, to the level of 11 of holiness, the level of 11 is drawn and revealed in the Jewish people, 
drawing the transcendent revelation into vessels. Thus, the revelation is drawn into the correct place, specifically into the realm of holiness. And through this refining of the world, they acquired a yet greater virtue in relation to their efforts in matters of the Torah and commandments, the Ten Commandments, which on their own are only connected to the Ten Spheres, the perfection of holiness on the limited, on the limited level. Through refining the world by means of making even the mundane matters holy, our service of Torah and commandments reaches a higher level, namely, that is permeated with the transcendent level. Were you guys following that? I don't know how much was clear. I'm going to explain, but I'm just wondering if anyone like received that because it's so profound. So the rabbi was saying, why, what was the purpose of these 42 journeys? Where's the revelation in that? What's the purpose in that? Why is that a positive thing? So the rabbi said that these 42 journeys of going through the desert was because they needed to elevate the sparks of holiness that were given to the nations, the tohu light, the feminine light, the ace of light, the 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 light that seemed like so lusty and so selfish and so, you know, like not Jewish and not spiritual at all was given to the nations. We didn't have access to the light. So yes, we got the Torah, we got the spirituality, we got the 10, but we didn't have access to the 11, the higher light. And because it was given to the nations, these 42 journeys of journeying through the desert wasn't able to take and receive this spiritual higher light that the world had, the ace of light, and slowly integrate it and permeate it into a way that it's grounded inside of our body in a way that we can use it in a holy way. And of course, that only happened in a, in a very small way, what's it's really happening now. So the 42 journeys represents our own journeys. If you'd be like, I'm on a journey, I'm on a journey, I'm still on a journey, I'm still on a journey. Oh, I thought I was good. And then I'm still on a journey. The Jewish people stopped and continued and stopped and continued and stopped and continued. I don't think I'm going to read this part. So I'm going to say this. This is so profound. The Rebbe said that if they would have got the Torah and gone straight to Israel, it would have been 11, 11 journeys. I don't know if 11 days or 11 journeys, but they went on this much longer route and it took 42. So what does that mean? The Rebbe is saying, if they would have gone on the 11 journeys, it would have been 11 transcendent. Wow. And it wouldn't have been integrated. So first of all, they, the 42 journeys is receiving the Tohu light from the world, but also chew it over, chew it over, chew it over, chew it over to integrate. So that's the concept of, we can't just get into Israel. We can't just have Geula, like chauffeur blast, woo! We go from like, disassociated, disconnected to like, you know, happy ever. No, it's the Geula journey of whoo, up and down, up and down, up and down, and stop and go and stop and go is the 40, 42 journeys so that we could integrate and receive and chew over and live and embody this 11 light. And it's the rabbi specifically saying the tohu light. So now we have to stop and I want to say, what does this mean? Because I promise that we're going to not only talk about pleasure and joy, but also how to access it. And what are we doing? So the rabbi is saying basically that it's time that we need to use this klipas noga, this tohu light, this light that we felt we were too spiritual for and we're too from and we're too religious. And who has time for that? Because we have to save the world. And the Rebbe is saying, this is the way to Gula. If everyone, if people, if you live transcendent and if you live free and you live joyous, you are bringing Ganeden into the world. If you relish into and delight into this, in the beautiful world that I made, you are shifting 
the victim mentality and going into the queen mentality and each person through through us we shift 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 the energy so the tohu light the rebbe saying please get up in the morning and are you dancing today are you singing are you gardening are you going on beautiful walks are you doing things that and don't follow my lists because first of all it always changes and second of all it's very personable and very each person to themselves and even within me every day it changes you know I love to dance I love to swim I love to walk I love to do different things so I try to incorporate that but some days I'm like so in the mood to dance and some days I'm totally not and I would never be like come on you love to dance dance I'm like no okay you want something else today what do you want like it's okay you know that's being with Hashem and honoring that so it's really really important that we get off of out of our ego and realize it's time to delight in the world. And that is how we bring more Gula energy into the world. And we could have so much exile and so much pain around us. And we could also embody and live in Gula. It's really profound. Now, the second point the Rebbe said is, so what does the war with Amalek have to do with redemption? So page 139, it's a a shorter paragraph. Um, The bottom, uh, what ice? And I think it's the end of the Aistala itself. And likewise, regarding the war of Amalek at the end of the Parsha, for his hand is uplifted, swearing by the case throne of yod which is Hashem, a war for Hashem with Amalek. The name of Hashem is not complete until the name of Amalek will be erased, which Amalek is a descendant of Esav, the aspect of 11 in the realm of negativity, 11 days, the mountain of Seir. And through the refinement and erasing of Amalek, um and uh sorry what am i what do i want to read here okay yeah actually it it gets a little um complicated the next paragraph um lots of names and words but the but the rabbi was basically saying here that we've always known like okay the war of amalek and amalek came and fought and what does it have to do with gula so the rabbi is saying that amalek comes from asab is the descendant of Esav, and Esav is this Taihu light, but it's the Taihu light used in the wrong way, used in negativity, like Amalek was very negative. So what is the war of Amalek? The Rebbe is saying, we have to go through all these steps now, right? We have to go through the 42 journeys, and we have to fight with Amalek. What is Amalek? That we have to go with Hashem, and it's saying specifically, we fought Amalek with Hashem, and of course, we won the war. So it means Facing those things that we thought were negative and were bad, like, oh, that's a mullet, that's dark, that's wrong, that's not good for us. And going in war with it, meaning redeeming the sparks. You know, when you go to in battle and you, you know, you have a battle and then whoever wins gets to take all the spoils for themselves and use it for themselves. So fighting a mullet is like going and taking all that energy and all that tohu light and all that physical things that the world is using in a negative way. And we're battling and we're saying, no, I'm gonna use it for Hashem. I'm gonna use it in a positive way. I'm gonna use it for spirituality. And then we're slowly taking those spoils, that energy back to Hashem the way it belongs. And Amalek gets less and less and less and less and loses the battle. So that's what the Rebbe is saying is the fight of Amalek. I hope you guys are receiving this because it's like, wow. Yeah, um, Elisheva, Moshe Eliyahu. (laughs) Yeah, I knew it wasn't Moshe Eliyahu, it was fine. So whatever. You know, we're, we're each our own, <laughs> our husbands. Yeah, yeah. Um, it says, Kiyad al-Kiska, and they're over here saying, 
not just ka, yud, and hey, but also the second part of Hashem's name, which equals 11. Does that make sense? Yud and hey. Yeah. What's vav? Yeah. Vav hey, the numerical value of 11, yes, which alludes to the drawing forth and revelation of 11. Yes, exactly. That you're taking the 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 level of eleven, which Amalek was using for them, and you're 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 fighting with the the masculine part of Hashem, who's helping you fight the war, and as you're doing that, you're redeeming the eleven part of Hashem for you, and then that part, all of Hashem, gets more and more and more and more redeemed for the the true, the source of what it really is. Exactly. It's beyond. I, I, yeah, um, I, mean, yeah. I, I just, I, crazy because so profound because like, Beyond. I feel like heard the rabbit saying like, invest in a beautiful wig, get beautiful jewelry for your wife, you know, like so much of that. And I'm, <clears throat> I feel like it was a shift. It was a massive shift that like, it was so specific. It was so, um, it was so different than the other generations, you know, and it was just, it's very cool to, to see like what you're talking about, like why, and, and why it's still like, so back and forth and new and, and uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable. I know it's amazing how the rabbi did have that shift. And even we're going to learn the next week. And he says, this is a new era and it's, I'm bringing up novel ideas and, the world is shifting out of like mysterious nefesh and masculine into feminine and like beautiful, beautiful sicha. And yet we still like, we're like, it can't be from the rabbi. Like this can't be real. Like how we're so, so, so wired and trained for, first of all, we're very, very conditioned and trained in the old way. But I think the reason why we're resisting receiving it from the rabbi that this new way is because it takes internal, because we can only really live in and receive it if we're willing to shift. Meaning the rabbi said it, but it doesn't mean that the shift happens automatically. The rabbi is saying this is available. Now, are you willing to receive it? And if we receive it, we have to go on the 42 journeys. We have to face Paro. We have to have, we have to do Lech Lecha. We have to leave the old way. And so the, I feel like a lot of times, I mean, I'm used to it all the time. People are like, you're crazy. You're making this up. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I, I'm not going to argue, but I'm looking inside and I'm seeing this straight from the rabbi. But I realize people get triggered almost like if it's like if you're telling me that, first of all, you're pulling the rug from under me of what I like. I'm waiting for Hashem to come redeem me from my pain. So you're telling me that I have a responsibility and don't you like I don't want to know that, you know, I'm just living like shut down and just maybe the chauffeur will happen in the next minute or the next minute or the next minute. You know, it's like I don't want to do the work. And also it really. Yeah, it takes a lot to receive it so i think there's resistance because of fear and um yeah. it's it's amazing because the rebbe and i i want to i i wasn't sure if i was going to say it because i have to pick what i'm going to say otherwise i will get completely overwhelmed and so will everyone else but the rebbe i'm not so i'm not going to read this part but the rebbe said that because you're saying that the rebbe introduced this novel idea so the rebbe said until the free decorum until the the rebbe before this rebbe um, it was like the level of 10 where we were all like, you know, spirituality, masculine. He said, then the rabbi before him, the, his father-in-law became rabbi on the 11th month, which is Shvat. And so that was the beginning of the 11, which, and the, he said, the month is connected to the moon. So it's connected to like 
the feminine light and the receptivity. He said, but when he became Rebbe, he became, he took it on, on the night of the 10th, which was the 11th. So he took it on the 11th day, the 11th day and the 11th month. And he says here that 11, the day is connected to the sun, which is the sunshine and the giver and the masculine. So he said the 11 and the 11 together is the union, the marriage of the masculine and feminine and pure pleasure and pure wholeness. And so he was introducing us that like his era is like the marriage. It's 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 like a new we're talking about 11 we're talking about tohu we're talking about feminine we're talking about abundance we're talking about expansive like so much bigger so yeah look slowly 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 you know we're we're like expansive. you know when the rebbe, um what was you that know when the rebbe asked like those people like remember when the rebbe asked that group of people that famous story who's like ready to receive money or like you know who wants the yes. um, avida of being wealthy Mm -hmm. And like, it's making me think like, who wants it? Cause it's work. It is work. Are you ready for the work? And like my husband and I always joke, we're like, we we're ready. We're, we're, we're open to receive that, but we're not joking, but it's, it's yeah. just a very cool concept where the Rebbe is asking, are you ready for the test? And then afterward, the Rebbe is like, well, you should have all said, you should have all said yes. You know, like, right. and everyone's like, it is a test. Yeah. Not it's me. I don't spiritual. Really they were too spiritual to receive it. They're like, nah, it's yeah. fine. We don't need it. I think there's a lot of shame around receipt money and um, pleasure, like money, pleasure, all of that. Um, yeah. Physical things. And it's just incredible to see the, how that story, I always heard that story. And now I feel like I, I get it on a deeper level. So thank you. Yeah. I love that you're bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel. I just wanted to, um, Sorry about the noise here. Um, it's really amazing. The things you're saying, had we not had the previous weeks of like sequential building of um, like confronting and grounding and learning those tools, which have had such a significant impact visibly in my life, I don't think I'd be able to understand in my heart what you're saying. So it's really like, even though your class, this class stands alone as its own piece, to see everything in this kind of cathartic, like each one is a journey. It's, it's really amazing. Unbelievable. I'm with you. You know, I've, I've been learning these sikhas for five years now, but I've never learned it consistently like this, like from beginning to end every week and like living in the energy of it. I've never experienced it like this. Like I myself am blown away by the clarity of that. It's step by step by step and it's puzzle pieces and it's like building blocks and the clarity of like, I wouldn't be able to receive this if not for last week. And it's, and can you imagine that the rabbi channeled this like 35 years ago, you know, it's like unbelievable. Yes. Okay. So now I'm going to tell you now part two, we're going to read a little bit. The rabbi saying that this whole concept of the journeys. Oh, wait, no, I now I'm talk to talk about Yisro. Oh yeah, um, page 141. I remember I said the third thing is what is Yisro and the fact that he converted and added to the Torah and joined the Jewish nation, what does that have to do with our redemption? So page 141 on the left. Um, sorry, Gila, I don't, I'm not sure which ice it is. Oh yeah, it's the last paragraph of Dalit still. And likewise, regarding the acknowledgement of Yisro and him coming to Maisha in the beginning of Parshas Yisro, 
which the conversion of Yisra is the concept of the refinement of the sparks of holiness that fell below, which their source is the level of 11 of holiness. And through refining them and elevating them to their source, the Jewish people attain an addition and advantage that he added one passage to the Torah, which alludes to the addition of the level of Achadasar, 11 days from the above Chorev, which transcend the Ten Commandments that were given at Um There had to first be the revelation of the level of 11, a surge of power to bring about the power for the amazing phenomenon of bringing godliness into the physical world. Um, sometimes I read, I'm like, well, that's, it's, I don't know if that was hard to receive, but basically the rabbi is going to go on and I wanted to say that this concept of Yisro that he converted and he was Tohu Lai, right? He was in the world. He was an idol worshiper and then he converted and then he specifically added to the Torah. The rabbi is saying that what's the new, that part of Geula, part of redemption is not adding to the Torah, the stories that we know, but adding, per, shifting our perception of how we receive the Torah and how we learn, like learning with Torah Hadasha, with Torah's Mashiach, that and it's specifically through the tohu light that as long as we're still in our refined cages of spirituality and only nafishalikis and only masculine and only in our head, we're going to be recycling the same Torah again and again and again. And if anything, you see, like I've experienced this where I'll go to classes or whatever, and I feel so frustrated and I'm like, this is so in the head and it's so dry and there's no inspiration. And then when I started accessing this Torah, I was like infused with passion, infused with light because it was like, it's so alive because it's tohu light. So the Rebbe is saying Yisro specifically added to the Torah because it's through accessing this tohu light and expanding ourselves and becoming more feminine and getting into the body that we go to Torah and the Torah becomes completely new and completely alive and filled with passion and full of delight. I'm gonna read more about that afterwards. But this next paragraph, um, the end of um, the fifth ice, is talking about where I want to bring it up is because now we're going to start getting into Tubashvat. The Rebbe's going to talk about Tubashvat. Is that the whole concept of Tubashvat, right, is the fruit of the land of Israel. And the Rebbe's setting the stage here. We're going to talk about what Tubashvat means and the fruit and everything within an embodied state. But that the land of Israel, again, the Rebbe's going to clarify here, it's not only talking about the land of Israel, it's talking about our bodies and the journey of conquering Israel is also the journey of conquering our bodies, getting our body in alignment, getting our body in a state of Israel, Yisrael, where we're flowing with Hashem. And if you think about it, there were stages, right? First, there was the 42 journeys. Then we got into the land of Israel. Then we conquered the lands. Then we settled the lands. Then we built up the land into orchards and gardens and wheat and fields and everything. And then from there blossomed the fruit, the Tubishvat fruit. So that's the rabbi is going to say the journey and the fruit, of course, is going to represent pleasure and desire and expansiveness within us. So first, it's knowing that like we first we have to conquer our own land and then from there, pleasure can grow. So we're going to talk about that. This is the, again, the end of ice. Hey, the last paragraph. And from this, we come immediately to the ultimate perfection of the giving of the Torah. Torah secrets will be revealed by me, as well as the ultimate perfection of entering into the good and wide land in the true and complete redemption a land of 10 nations for in addition to the land of seven nations, the refinement of the seven attributes of Tohu, the feminine attributes within us, there will also be the conquering of the three lands of Kani, Kanizi, and Kadmoini, the refinements of Keser, Chachma, and Bina of Taihu. I want to pause here and say, the rabbi is saying that first we have to redeem our, our body, our seven emotions, 
and then from there also our head. But the Rebbe says, Keser Chachman Bina of Taihu. So what I saw when I read that, I was like, wow, the Rebbe is basically clarifying that a healthy head, our healthy intellectual parts of us, our mind is flowing with Tohu, flowing with Keser. What does that mean? That it's servicing our true, Keser is our true desire and Tohu is the feminine light. That a healthy mind, when we're fully in a line, that the mind is like, I'm here to fulfill the desires of my body. I'm here to fulfill, I'm the man and I'm here to honor my body. So that's a healthy brain. So when we conquer our full self, even the three lands, it's that even our brain, the masculine part of us is not anymore suppressing us or shutting us down. That's the last part. Like we might do a lot of work inside, but we still have that brain. Oh, I have doubts, I'm not sure, it's suppressing me. So when we're fully aligned, it's even the brain completely surrenders and goes into that feminine flow with Hashem and with Kesser, with desire. Um, Moreover, the future of the land of Israel will be spread to all the lands, meaning that the entire world will be on the level of the land of Israel, namely a dwelling place for him, blessed be he, in the lowest realms, similar to a dwelling place in which there is the revelation of the essence of the one dwelling there, the revelation of the essence of Hashem to the level of you are one. Meaning that the Rebbe is saying that becoming Eretz Yisrael is becoming one with Hashem, as we said, and revealing the essence and all things that we discussed in numerous classes in the past. Um, the next paragraph I'm going to read is the last paragraph of Ice Zion, page 149. And the 15th of Shvat has an additional virtue since it is the Rosh Hashanah for trees regarding tiths in the land of Israel and has emphasized in the Jewish custom to eat fruits on the 15th of Shvat and especially fruits with which the land of Israel is praised, a land of wheat and barley and vine and fig, a pomegranate, a land of olive oil and date honey which the ultimate perfection of this will be upon the entering of the land in the time to come, both regarding fruits in the simple sense, including and especially the fruits in the Holy Land as well as in the base of Megdash, and also and mainly regarding the concept of fruits in Torah, which denotes the aspect of pleasure in Torah, the reasons of the Torah, the deeper dimensions of the Torah, as emphasized especially in date honey, um, which its main revelation is in the Torah secrets that will be revealed by me in the time to come. So the Rebbe is now saying, again, making all the connections with new Torah and Tubashvat and the land of Eretz and conquering it, that specifically Tubashvat, the fruits of the land is like, you know, the land, conquering the land is the level of 10, because we conquer the 10 parts of our, the seven parts of our emotions, the three parts of our head, we get to a level of 10, spirituality, we're in alignment. But now it's not enough to just have land. You want orchards, you want gardens, you want fruit. You want to produce, you want flowing date and flowing milk and honey, and that's the fruit. So the rabbi is saying that it's great to conquer the land, it's great to be spiritual, but the two Bishvat represents the 11 light, the fruit, where we're actually enjoying the land and the lush of the land and the, and the, and the abundance that the land produces. Um, okay, so um, just a few more paragraphs and we could discuss. So another... Two points. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about Tubishvat. So beautiful. The Rebbe says that these fruits are inside of our bodies in the Rebbe's words. Um, but before that, actually, yeah, no, I'm going to read that part first. Um, bottom of 153, Ice Yud. The Rosh Hashanah for trees is related to the Jewish people as written in the verse, man, you, the Jewish people are called Adam, man, called so since they are Adama, likened to the Most High like the tree of the field and especially the renowned trees of the land 
the Jewish people about whom is written, for you shall be unto me a desirable land. And each and every Jew, men, women, and children, has in themselves all of the particular aspects of the renowned produce. Did you hear that? That each person in themselves has all the produce inside. A land of wheat and barley and vine and fig and pomegranate, a land of olive oil and date honey. As explained in many places, the details of this and on the Rosh Hashanah for trees, there must be an innovative addition in all these aspects of service by each and every Jew, Jewess, every person on their level. And then I'm just skipping a couple lines. And the Rebbe says, the feeling of joy due to knowing that immediately we will enter the land of Israel to eat of its fruit and to be satiated from its good and to fulfill all the mitzvahs that pertain to the land of Israel at the height of perfection, the mitzvahs as you truly desire. There's so much in that. So the, the Rebbe is saying again that the fruit represents, and then now the Rebbe is saying these are not just you, you're, the land of Israel is you and it's your body. And the, the 10 lands represent the 10 parts of yourself getting to alignment, but it's not enough to be aligned. You need to have pleasure, you need to have fruit. And the Rebbe is saying you have a pomegranate in you and you have the date honey in you and you have figs in you. And what is that? And again, this is a continuation to the frozen bones that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Our frozen state is what blocks the pumping of pleasure, blocking the flow of Hashem's love. We were frozen. We were so scared. We shut down. It was too painful to be alive because being alive meant facing the pain of abandonment and facing trauma and facing her and facing the fact that fact that the people we loved and trusted not necessarily were, you know, keeping us safe. And it was too painful. So we shut down. So we shut down that flow. As we open up every single bone, inside of every single bone, there's literally orchards of pleasure and of fruit inside. And that's why it's going to be infinite. When I started in the beginning, that we're going to go through the cycle again and again and again, because do you know how many, if each bone has all seven fruit in it, do you know how much infinite? And then within each fruit, there's the seeds of the pomegranate and the seeds of the fig. And every single seed has a message and every single seed has love and every single seed has pleasure on infinite 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 orchards infinite infinite produce infinite infinite pleasure that we're going to be discovering deep 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 within ourselves never ending like wow there's so much to discover just from being inside and we were always looking outside of ourselves and looking for the answers and the trees outside and the sunshine and the people and 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 it's like the rebel's like oh my gosh all the secrets are within you and that's why the rabbi keeps talking about like the secrets of Torah and the Torah Hadasha, because the new Torah flows when you're going inside and accessing these lush orchards and these, you know, the pleasure and the, the Eretz Yisrael inside of you, that's when new Torah flows through. And that's, again, the Yisro. Now I want to say one more piece here, as if that wasn't enough, but the rabbi is saying the concept of Shira, that an Az Yashir, right, that when we got out of of Egypt in this week's Parsha and the sea split. As we know, the woman burst into song and dance and they had their tambourines and they sang Az Yashir. And then the Rebbe said that there was, just like there's a level of 10, there's 10 songs. And he lists a few of them that there was 10 main songs like the song of Devorah. And um, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna go look for it now, but there was different 10 songs. There's the Shira Shirim, that's the 10th song throughout exile. And all the songs the Rebbe says were of yearning, of like, you know, like prayer, like mournful yearning, asking for the redemption, asking for the change. And he says the 11th Shira of the time to come is now, and it's the song of dance. 
and song of self-expression and the song of dance that instead of the song of mourning and praying and begging and yearning it's that's the song now is the song of celebration the song of what we have of, of authentic bursts of joy so i'm going to read those those two paragraphs um, page 153. And additionally, and also important, an instruction regarding song in connection to the service of prayer, also referred to as Rina song, which is done with singing, as known as the Alter Rebbe would pray out loud and with a song. Then in addition to prayer with song in ascending from below to above, there must be now, after the completion of all the sense, prayer with song as a result of uniting and becoming one with the revelation of above as a preparation and beginning of the new song of the time to come. I'm going to read a little more, but see, the rabbi saying the old songs were from below to above. Hashem, that's so far away. Please come and help me. Hodullah Hashem, thank you, Hashem, who's so far away for giving me whatever you give me. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And please help me. Please help me. This song, the 11th song in the time to come, is of joy, of the unity, of the revelation, of the oneness, of that we're, Hashem is so here. He's so close. He's, he's within us. Everything is here at our fingertips. Um, two more paragraphs, and especially regarding the prayer for the true and complete redemption, and especially after the kitsin have all ended, and all the aspects of service necessary to be done in the time of exile have been completed. As the words of my revered father-in-law, the rebel leader of our generation, that in addition to the feeling of yearning for the redemption that we had had until the present time, now there must be also mainly the feeling of joy, because the redemption is actually coming literally this moment. And then um, the next page 155 to continue for Hashem will once again stretch forth his arm and gather the dispersed Jewish people and we will thank you with a new song in a manner of our mouths will be filled with laughter as alluded to in the two names of the leader of our generation, the Mashiach of our generation. Wow. Okay. Thank you everyone for joining. Thank you.